Welcome to Genomics Now, a podcast series where you can learn how genomics is developing in England's NHS. This podcast series, recorded in 2021, is part of the North Thames Genomic Medicine Services Educational Toolkit. In each 10-minute episode, we explore what is changing in genomics. We answer the questions on genomics we've been asked by the different healthcare professionals. We talk about the ways genomics may impact different healthcare roles and how genomics can be used to successfully improve patient care. Today's podcast is co-hosted by me, Shazia Mahamdali, and I'm a cancer genomic scientist at Great Ormond Street Hospital. And I'm Dahlia Hopmeyer. I'm a genomics clinical fellow at Great Ormond Street Hospital as well. Today, Dahlia and I are going to take 10 minutes to briefly summarise some of the changes the 100,000 Genomes Project brought into the NHS. Um, Shazia, should I first explain what the 100,000 Genomes Project is or was? Yeah, that would be great, Dahlia. Thank you. Sure. So the primary goal of the project was to sequence up to 100,000 genomes of NHS patients in England. But why do this? So it's not just because technology has advanced and because we can, but because the technology can help improve patient health care. Many health problems have a genomic basis, from rare single gene conditions, such as cystic fibrosis, to complex multi-gene gene conditions, such as how cancer tumors start and evolve. And when I speak of technology in part, this is the technology used by the laboratory called sequencing and the computational technology to analyze the data, which is generated by the lab sequencing. And this test is called whole genome sequencing. Now, the first human genome was fully sequenced back in 2003, and decades on, this technology has advanced to a point where genome sequencing in the NHS is affordable and quick. That means the results can be generated at a reasonable cost and in a timeframe that can help direct patient management. So this means we can now use genomic technology in the clinic and not just for research, which is very exciting. And around 10 years ago, the UK government considered that genomic technology had the potential to advance patient healthcare. So in 2013, the 100,000 Genomes Project was initiated. And as we've talked about, the project aimed to undertake large-scale genomic testing with the objectives to establish the infrastructures needed for the NHS to use this technology at a scale by providing clinicians with the option to use it on a day-to-day basis and therefore routinely. So the conditions that were first focused on were rare diseases or cancer. And although rare diseases by definition affect fewer people, they are often thought to be genetic. So this new technology was perfect to improve care for these patients. Thanks, Dahlia. That's a great background to why the 100,000 Genomes Project was initiated. And if anyone wants to understand more about what we mean by genetics and genomics, please listen to the first episode of this Genomics Now series as we take a whole episode to explain these concepts. So just to recap, the NHS wants to establish a new test technology called whole genome sequencing. And this can help to improve patient care where we think the cause of the disease is genetic, like rare diseases and cancer. To do this, the UK government starts a research project called the 100,000 Genomes Project, which aims to determine if this new type of test will be useful, and then to identify and pave the road for the infrastructures that will be needed to allow clinicians to use the test and to help their patients. 
So we're recording this podcast in May 2021, so during the COVID-19 pandemic. And over the past year, we've um, become really familiar with what it means for the NHS to adopt a new clinical test and what infrastructures are needed for new testing to be successful. So similarly, by carrying out the 100,000 Genomes Project, the NHS could identify what was needed to offer genomic testing. And this included how to identify the patients genomic testing was going to benefit, which laboratories were going to undertake the testing, what equipment and skills were needed to make the test reliable and quick, what advances were needed in the supporting computer technology to analyse the results, how tests were to be managed, such as systems to collect the samples, consenting patients and just databasing, how the results were going to be reported and returned to the patients, what education was needed to understand the results and options for determining management and patient condition of the patient's condition, and lastly, how the patients and their families were going to be supported during this testing in receiving the results and understanding the implications of their results. Great. And actually, so just to expand on that last point, can you tell us more on how the 100,000 Genomes Project helped patients? Yeah, sure, Dahlia. So a little background to me. I worked on the 100,000 Genomes Project, where for about 18 months, I coordinated the analysis and reporting for the tests of all the participants with cancer that enrolled through the hospitals in the North Thames, London region. Along with my colleagues across this region in London who completed the Cancer Genome Team and the Rare Disease Genome Team, we tested and reported around nearly 3,000 cancer genomes and over 9,000 rare disease genomes. So a couple of days ago, I talked to one of the clinical scientists who worked on the project, Rowena Roberts, and asked her what she was most proud of after completing the 100,000 Genomes Project. And she said she had helped to create evidence on several genes that weren't known disease-causing genes at the start of the project, and now very much are due to the added evidence that scientists like her, who analysed, interpreted and republished the scientific data from the genomes that were sequenced as part of the project. So not only did this help um, the patients that enrolled in the project, but it meant that in the future, further diagnosis can be made as these genes wouldn't have been linked to um, causing disease before now are. And being able to diagnose why and how a health condition has occurred is so important. And it has so much value to patients and their families um, for a number of reasons. So this is why Verena was really proud of what she was doing. Um, A better understanding of information helps us all process the experiences that we have. Knowing the causes of a condition can give access to treatments, medicines and support groups. A diagnosis may help us understand what the future brings in terms of how a condition might develop or for family planning. At this specific test um, is based on genes, some results might have implications for the health of our family, our brothers, sisters, cousins and children. Yeah, actually, this point feeds a lot into my day job, Shazia. So I work in clinical genetics, and we often help families experiencing what we call a diagnostic odyssey. So they have one test after another, each informed by the previous, in logical succession based on their clinical scenario. And this iterative testing can take years and years, and it involves many visits to the hospital. And for example, for rare disease, one in 17 cases will undertake these types of diagnostic odysseys. And genome sequencing allows us to combine multiple genetic tests into one test 
And then we can look at that data in an unbiased way. So the 100,000 Genomes Project really benefited around 20% of the patients with rare disease that enrolled, which is a really significant number of the families that we see. Great. Thanks for that, Dahlia. It's really interesting to kind of know on the ground how this has really helped kind of you um, in, in doing this. So to be able to help these families and individual patients, the 100,000 Genomes Project needed to train and educate their healthcare workforce. So um, people like you, Dahlia. For Great Ormond Street to deliver all of those thousands of genome test results, hundreds of healthcare professionals and scientists needed to be what we call upskilled. So all over England, this number was actually in the thousands. The staff who had further training include clinicians such as geneticists, pathologists, oncologists and fellows. Um, also were trained were scientists, laboratory technicians, IT staff, recruitment team and administrators. These individuals have in turn gone on to train others and many are now employed in delivering the genomic testing today, which is now no longer a research test like it was in the 100,000 Genomes Project, but is like any other clinical test the NHS offers. Great. Yeah, I can really see how this has paved the way to be able to use this kind of testing clinically. And I just wanted to ask also, what other changes did the 100,000 Genomes Project help to make? Uh, there are a number, all of which we cannot address in this podcast. So for anyone who wants to learn more on the project, there are lots of great articles online, whether they're media reports, blogs or scientific articles. Also, this entire first series of Genomics Now podcast goes into depth of some of the specific changes, such as the new genomic medicine service and the genomic laboratory hubs. So definitely check out the other podcasts in this series. But I'd like to highlight a small but significant change in my area of cancer genomics. To be able to achieve a high quality laboratory based test, what you put into a test is what you get out. So here we have to use the highest quality of samples possible. This could be blood samples or cancer tumour samples. Before the 100,000 Genomes Project, the pathways for sample collection and delivery of genomic results had not been fully embedded in the NHS. For tumour samples specifically, the project significantly changed the way the samples were collected from patients and prepared for sequencing for the laboratory. Previously, the tissue was put into a solution that could preserve the structures, called formalin fixed, but this damages the DNA. The 100,000 Genomes Project catalyzed the change to collecting fresh frozen samples. I highlight this change in how samples are now collected, as although it sounds simple and perhaps intuitive, this was a significant change from what was historically done in the NHS and needed much thought and planning to implement. Success of projects like the 100,000 Genomes Project hinges on a large number of small changes like these coming together at the same time. It's like a jigsaw puzzle, you have all the pieces in the right places to make the bigger picture. The 100,000 Genomes Project helped us understand all the individual pieces needed to successfully deliver a genome test. Great, thank you Shazia. And as this podcast is called Genomics Now, let's end this episode with asking what's new in Genomics Now? So based on the results and insights provided by projects such as the 100,000 Genomes Project that have supported genomic research, the UK government last year published its 10-year strategy to transform genomic healthcare. It's called Genome UK and you can look at the report online. Last week, the UK government followed on from this strategy by publishing its first implementation plan. 
This plan covers how it will make meaningful progress over the period of 2021 to 2022 and how to deliver partners who will be able to work together across the healthcare system to further realise, innovate and transform genomic health in the UK. Perfect. Thank you so much, Asia, for co-hosting this episode on the 100,000 Genomes Project and giving us a flavour of some of the changes that it drove to implement to help the NHS now deliver clinical genome testing. And in the next few episodes, some of these changes will be discussed further. So please do listen if you want to learn more. Thank you, Zalia, for being such a great co-host today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Genomics Now, a series of conversations hosted by healthcare professionals of the North Thames Genomic Medicine Service. Our aim is to complement other genomic-focused educational tools with bite-sized podcasts that explore how clinical genomics is developing in England's NHS. If you have any suggestions for topics you would like us to develop as part of the Genomics Now podcasts, please let us know. Also, we'd love to hear about the episodes you've enjoyed and how they have helped you with training. Please get in contact with us on the link given with this podcast or tweet us at North Thames GLH. You will find this and other educational resources at the North Thames GLH website.